Psalms tonight, and then we're looking at Psalm 65 for a text. And then I'm going to read out of the Gospel of Luke this evening, chapter 18. I made reference to this scripture last night. I want to read this parable this evening. Luke 18, if you'll turn there first, and then we'll go to the Psalms. And that's Psalm number 65, one verse there. Luke's Gospel, the 18th chapter, the book of Psalms, chapter number 65. I don't have words this evening to adequately say what this <coughs> service has meant to my needy heart. And I say that sincerely. The Lord has <coughs> spoken at my point of need tonight and just refreshed me and encouraged me and reminded me. And I said to the preacher a moment ago, and let me say to the entire church, I said, I... I haven't been in a meeting, I can't think of, where I have enjoyed the, the presence and the reality and the power and blessing of God as I have this week in your music and the liberty that he's given in the meeting. I want to say that to praise him and I want to say it to commend you tonight. The Lord's presence is in this place in a wonderful way. And we're grateful that God has permitted us again to meet together. And he's been, uh, well, he's just <clears throat> been pleased to give us the sense of his presence as he has. I'm going <clears> to <throat> share something that, to be honest, I, I felt a little bit uh, restrained in my spirit this afternoon. I, I thought I was going a different direction. And the Lord made clear my time with him in the last couple hours or so before coming here. Made clear in my own heart what he wanted tonight. I almost wanted to say to him, Lord, I, uh, I had something else in mind. And uh, he seemed to say to me, go ahead. You're on your own. <laughs> and I've been there. And... Uh, but uh, my reasoning, I guess, for a little hesitation was normally the night service is one that, uh, as a rule in a series of meetings, I, I open up with. He sort of lets me come in a little different direction than last night. But I'm not questioning him. I'm aware that he just brought my attention to something that, uh, and I, I'll just... Uh, Touch some of the high points of it tonight. I'm not going to go into much detail. But uh, <clears throat> something that uh, he's been, well, regularly he says, to, speaks to my needy heart. Well, this truth. Our Lord is giving one of his parables in Luke 18, and, and some of his parables are not that easily and quickly understood, and that's the reason. That was why he gave a parable. He He's sort of hiding the truth so it won't be so obvious. So people would have to give some thought, search it out. But he so wants us to get a hold of what he has to say here. One old timer, a Puritan that I've read for 30 years, he says about this. He says the Lord uh, hung the key on the front door so you could get a hold of it quickly and unlock the truth of this. 
He tells us why he gave the parable before giving it. Verse 1 of chapter 18, the Gospel of Luke, he spake a parable to them to this end, for this purpose, really. This is the goal he has in mind. They are not always to pray and not to faint. And there was in the city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a woman in that city, and she came to him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. He would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I'll avenge her, lest for her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he'll avenge them speedily. I don't miss his question here. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Now, that's what I'll refer to a little later. Uh, in my understanding, this is the, the essence of what he's talking about. This is what he's really trying to get us to see, what he's saying about this urgent business of prayer, how we receive him. These dear uh, men a moment ago had no way of knowing what I'm talking about when they were reminding us of trusting him. And uh, this is what is the Lord leads us. We'll close about in a few minutes. Coming back here. But our text verse will get us into what I want to talk about. Over in the Psalms tonight, if you have a copy of the Scripture, and would turn to Psalm number 65, and uh, verse number 2 of this psalm, O thou that hearest prayer, God is known by the grand and noble title of the one who hears prayer. It's a reference to himself personally. Thou that hearest prayer unto thee shall all flesh come. I'm going to introduce what I'm talking about tonight by sharing with you a question that was the last night, the fifth night of the conference, and uh, I've spoken, in fact, I spoke three mornings on prayer, at least uh, related to the theme. But came each night and just took a text and brought a message to that group of God's people on the subject of prayer. And I made reference to this verse more than once. And tried to emphasize that God's gone on record in the Bible to get us to realize that he is the God who hears prayer. Call unto me and I'll answer thee. Say ye great and mighty things that you know not. Ask, seek, knock, he says. Ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find. Knock and I'll open the door for you. Oh, how God urges, invites, encourages us. Stop to realize that he is a prayer hearing and answering God. Dear man, on the last night, want to speak with me? 
He said, I almost walked out on you tonight. I didn't want to be so rude to get up and walk out. But he said, uh, I got a question for you. You kept emphasizing this week that he hears prayer. He said, why didn't he hear my prayer? He said that with emotion in his voice. He said that with tears welling up in his eyes. He said, I prayed. But this time he's getting emotional. He said, God knows I prayed. I asked. I saw. I knocked. He said he didn't answer me. And he said, when you kept emphasizing tonight, he hears prayer. I almost wanted to stand up and said, I, I don't believe it. And I realized immediately that I'm speaking with a person that's, to say the least, is in the midst of a terrible struggle. And the Spirit of God seemed to say to my needy heart, you, you be patient with me. He, he has a real problem at this point. I encourage him to sit down and let's talk about it. To be honest with you, my heart went after that dear man as he opened his heart to me. And I'm not going to go in detail. That'd be beside my point tonight. But a man that was misguided, to say the least, in the scripture, knew little about the subject that's before us tonight. But in a moment of desperation and overwhelming sense of need, someone had told him, all you got to do is just pray. And if you pray sincerely, God will do that for you. And uh, no question about whether it's the will of God, no, uh, no thought about whether or not he's in the perimeters, you know, of the framework that God uh, has committed himself to us to answer prayer. Just gone to God and cried and bathed and fasted and lost sleep. He said, it happened as if I never prayed. He's bitter. He's a man that, to say the least, endured the services here. Somebody stands up and repeatedly encourages the people of God to say, Call unto me, and I'll answer you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be opened. Ask, and you'll receive. He's the prayer hearing God, the prayer answering God. But his question was, why didn't he hear my prayer? We talked for a little bit. I, with the help of the Lord, we opened some scriptures, and I can still, I sat there and thought about it a moment ago, I can still sense what I sense is, I sense the Lord beginning to take the word and sort of shine a little light on his uh, misunderstanding. And he began to realize then that maybe he hadn't had the right to be that bold about something that uh, wasn't in the will of God. Something he couldn't demand. Something that, you know, instead of coming and praying according to the scripture, and praying submissively and humbly as a servant to the sovereign. He'd been taught by a group that 
He's influenced with, uh, I call it the name it and claim it, almost all of God around. He's dictating to God. But he's trusting why. Why didn't he answer my prayer? And I said to him, you've really, you've asked really a question that a lot of God's people from time to time have on their mind. You've asked a question that if we're earnest, uh, I would say every person in this room that's ever been serious about becoming a person of prayer, the question whether you verbalized it or not, it's been in your mind, why didn't he answer my prayer? I want to try to answer the man's question. I did then. It provoked me to take that theme, that subject, and just go to the Bible and try to find what God's Word says in response when we have a question, why didn't he answer my prayer? What, uh, what's this business of unanswered prayer? How do we respond to it if we're going to be a people of prayer and we're going to preach as the Bible teaches that God hears and answers prayer and then when, as he put it, it didn't work for him, what is the biblical answer? I know of a church that Oh, they had revival. I had the privilege. I wasn't. I wasn't there as a preacher. I, I went there. Uh, I was in the area. I mean, they impacted. I mean, you couldn't believe the difference it made. And it made a difference around there for a long time. And then it leveled off, and more than leveling off, is someone that knew about it said probably they, they've regressed and they're back further than they were before the revival. And then sometimes after that, they had another request in the pastor put it. And oh, as far as I know, it's still lasted in that area. I had the privilege of visiting the pastor. And uh, I wasn't, you know, uh, I didn't want to be impolite and just ask him personal questions, but uh, we, we got on the subject. I told him, I said, I, I know about the, and I made reference to the, the revival they had. And he said, oh, my. But then his voice took on some emotion and, uh, you could tell it was something that, oh, that he going through when they lost, as he put it, when you have experienced the refreshing of God, and then you have lost that. He said, God, dry we became. And he said, God has graciously paid us a visitation. And, and this has been a few years back, because it goes way back. Uh, I, I, I had stopped in camp, but it had been 20-some years about the first revival, and then it went on a while, then this one has been at least ten when I talked to And uh, you know what he said to me? He said, Preacher, our access to him got blocked. And we had to clear the way in order to pray. And he said it was costly. But when we cleared the way so we could pray, the point with the intercessory prayer ministry that a building now separate from the auditorium with large facilities around there. And he said, somebody's in there all of the time. Cars. He said, those cars, they're people in there. Oh, yeah. This is an after. He said, they pray all the time. He said, uh, sometimes they ask me what, you know, is there a, is there a specific reason? And he says, one word. Prayer. God is answering prayer. And he's pouring out his blessing on us. 
But what really got to me when he said we lost him? Dry, dry. Dead spiritually. He said business is usual. Oh, he said no, we didn't even, it wasn't even up to that part. He said then we had to clear the way. Now he didn't go into any detail. That just fastened into my thinking. We had to clear the way. So we could call. Well, what are some of the things that get in the way? I'm not talking now collectively, corporately as the body. I'm talking now personally because, you see, the corporate body tonight is no stronger really than the individuals in the body. I mean, if we have a church that has the power of God on it, it's because individuals in that, in that body Personally, individually, begins to get a hunger and get the power of God. If there's a praying church and the power of God falling on the church, that's because not just the, you know, the church is a praying church, the church is made up of individuals. So I'm talking to us personally tonight and with the, the brother's question in mind, what in the answer of my prayer could I ask you to think with me tonight if it appears sometimes the prayer's not getting through? Uh, let me just put it like this. There's five comments I'm going to make, five suggestions, just simple as they can be. And I'm not going to go into any detail. I don't need to. I just simply mention them. And uh, I'm going to do it in a way that if, if it appears that I'm calling to this one who tells me he's a prayer hearing God, and yet he's not hearing me in the sense that he's responding, well, it's time for me to start checking out. And... Uh, Five areas that I suggest we ought to give some attention to. And first one is this. I ought to look into my heart and see if I'm right with God. The very next chapter in this, in this book, the sixth, the sixth chapter, in the eighteenth verse, the psalmist says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. He says, the Lord's hand's not shortened. That's an expression, hand and arm in the Bible, for God means his energy, his power. God says, I haven't limited my power. My arm's not shortened. My ear's not heavy. I haven't plugged up my ears. And then he comes right back to his people and says, your sin has hid his face from you. Oh, I tell you, when I look into my heart, there's something there that I know is not right. If there's sin there that's unconfessed, sin there that's not been repented over. Oh, I can excuse it, alibi, call it some other name. Make any difference if I change the label? It's still the same thing. And when I look into my heart, as the psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. See, God gives reasons for answering some prayers and then for refusing others. And there's some prayers God's already said, if you're praying that prayer, I've gone on record to say, no, I'm not going to answer that. Uh, if I'm regarding iniquity, cry all I want to. But God says, no, I don't hear that kind of prayer. So I ought to look into my heart and see if I'm right with God. Then there's a second suggestion I make. I ought to look into my attitude and see if I'm right with other people. In the book of Mark, chapter 11, Jesus is speaking, talking about prayer. says, when you stand praying, forgive if you have all of your sins. Listen, 
He says, then your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. I've suggested all to look in my heart if prayer's not being answered and see if I'm personally right with God. Just a different, uh, different take on the same truth, but the reason I want to word it differently is because it's set forth differently in the Scripture, and so I ought to look into my attitude and see if I'm right with other people. Anyone tonight you're thinking of that you're not right with, maybe you're walking in broken fellowship with, you can't be right this way with the Father if you're wrong with any of the Father's children. I mean, it's as simple as that. I was influenced by a man of God 36, 37 years ago, 36 years ago, he went to be of the Lord. You've heard me talk about him the first two years of my Christian life. He, he's personal friends, worked with me like Dr. Tozer and, and, and Ironside, he knew Dr. Ironside and, and all many of the people that I read about. He worked with them. Man, he was in the same group with Dr. Tozer man. Oh, what influence. He, he used to point up like this. And he'd say, you can't be right this way if you're wrong this way. A lot of us is wanting God to smile on us and wanting God and longing. At least that's what we're saying, for God to pour out his power on us. And we have ill will and bitterness and unforgiveness all in our spirit and in our attitude towards someone. God says, no, no, I can't, uh, I can't smile on you. If there's someone you're in broken fellowship with, that's the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 25. You'd find it again in the, in, in the Gospel of Matthew. And our Lord, in chapter 5, it, he, he talks about coming to the altar and you're bringing your gift to the altar. That would be in our economy today an expression, you come to worship. And there you remember somebody's got all against you. Here, he says, it's the other side of the coin. I have all against them. The word author means you have something, you have anything, something wrong, you have something against someone. He says, you, you can't be right with me until you, until you write that wrong. Or you remember someone is wrong towards you, and the implication is, uh, if someone's wrong towards me, I've caused that. I've caused the offense. I've offended, and yet I haven't attempted to do anything about it. I've never read revival uh, anywhere unless you find where revivals are broke out, and you'll find this, there's always a quality, you'll have people start getting right with each other. Now, that is a result of revival, but it's a, it's a prerequisite also. Uh, God begins to move when people are hungry and earnest enough before God. Say, Lord, as I look in my heart, I want to be right with you. When I look into my attitude, I want to be right with other people. Then there's a third suggestion, if I'm praying, and, and, and apparently he's not answering, not listening, and not only should I look into my heart and see if I'm right with God, into my attitude, see if I'm right with other people, then I ought to look into my relationship at home. First Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 7 is a very insightful verse here. The last part of verse 7 of First uh, Peter 3 says that your prayers be not hindered. We're talking about what hinders God answering prayer tonight. We're talking about why, Lord, did you answer my prayer? Why did you send revival to our place, God? Lord, why did you meet that need? And I've already said, if it appears God's not listening, 
We ought to look in our hearts if we're right with God, look in our attitudes if we're right with other people. In here, I ought to look into my relationship with my companion. First Peter 3, verses 1 through 7, he's talking about the home life. For six verses, he has a word for the wives. And in the seventh verse, he has a word to the husbands. And uh, the weightier matter here is on the husband, not the wife. He says, likewise, you husbands dwell with them, that is, the wife, according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel, being heirs together of the grace of life. And here it is, that your prayers be not hindered. Oh, how subtle the devil is. Oh, I'm not talking about the roaring lions and infidelity now. I'm not, of course, that would keep you from getting the prayer answered. You commit the scarlet sin of adultery and unfaithfulness on your companion. Oh, yes. No, I'm talking about that now. I'm talking about those little foxes the Bible talks about. It likes to bring about some irritation, frustration. Oh, you see, if everything's not all right between the husband and wife, God says, now, it's of interest to me here. He didn't say there'd never be, he says your prayers will be hindered. More literally, they'll be slow getting through. He doesn't say here, I never answer, but said if things is not right, there, if you let me paraphrase it, if things are not right between the husband and the wife, oh, he said, you, you can't get that prayer through quickly, readily. You ever noticed it's kind of difficult to have a red hot prayer meeting right after a fuss? And I don't want to know anything about that. <laughs> oh, see the devil. The flesh. Sometimes we probably don't even have to have the devil to help us. Amen. It's that old, old nature of ours. Get us in such a frame of mind. And sometimes, you know, we've had a depiction and the fussiness. I mean, it lasts all the way to church. Then we start putting on a smile by the time we get to church. Oh, the devil. He's so... He's so subtle. We wouldn't have a we wouldn't have a carnal nature if it were not for him. I was in a meeting, and one of doc, the late Doctor Rice, was back a few years. Uh, daughter was there. Her husband was on the staff of that church, and uh, they invited me into the home. And I was telling them how Doctor Rice, thirty years ago, influenced my life, especially on the subject of prayer. And uh, told her how many times I'd read his book through on prayer. In fact, the two books on prayer. And told her about those early days especially. How many times I heard him preach on prayer. Have you ever heard him preach on those things? They didn't preach on prayer. And she was appreciative that I spoke kindly about her deceased father. And uh, she said, Brother Hurt, you might expect me to say this, being a member of his family. She says, I think I, I may be a little biased, but she said, I'm very sincere in what I'm going to tell you. My dad was the most Christ-like person I've ever met in my life. I've ever met a person more godly, more Christ-like than my dad. And she said, Daddy didn't just write books about prayer and preach sermons to preachers about prayer. She said, if you, if you could have known the commitment he had to prayer, the time that he spent in prayer, in private home. And she said another thing about it. She said, all of my uh, my sisters agree with me on this. 
never one time in our life did we ever hear him even have an iota of unkindness in his voice to our mother. Never ever heard him speak a word of unkindness to our mother. He said that big kid. You know what God said? He said to me, you want to know why when he'd talk about prayer, you'd hear from me through him? His home life wasn't a hindrance. He said after that, his home going. He said that, said that daddy was ever unkind to our mother. But in the presence of, of the, the girls, she said our mother with a tear in her eye. <laughs> your father was never unkind to me in your presence or out of your presence. You always treated me as a Christian. I haven't forgotten that. Oh, here's a verse comes right to where we live. God says if prayer is not getting through, I ought to look into my heart, see if I'm right with God, look in my attitude, and see if everything's all right toward others. Look into my home and see if I am living with my wife according to knowledge and giving honor to her. Notice that jumped out one day to me, giving honor to your wife. That your prayers be not hindered. And then there's another that we are airing on to give some attention to. Two others, and I close with them. They're both in the book of James. James is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I, I love the book of James. It's such a practical book. And James just writes where we live. Dr. McGee used to say it's just sort of where the rubber meets the road. The nitty gritty. And I like that. But James talks about this subject of prayers not being answered. If they're not getting an answer, the psalmist says, if we're regarding iniquity, that is, if you're excusing sin, take an up for it, not repenting of it. You'll just get a no if you try to talk to God. Or if you've got all your heart against somebody, or you're aware that someone's got all against you because you caused it, and you're not willing to right that wrong. God said, no, no, you just closed heaven on you. I won't smile on you until you can get that right with that person you're wrong with. Or in your home life, if you're... In a marital relationship, when there's marital discord, God says, no, no, you've got you to get that right. And, and let me say it again, the burden of that text is on us men, not the wife. When he comes to the, comes to the essence of it, he doesn't put that burden on the wife so much as he does us. And said, listen, husbands, listen, men, you dwell with them accordingly. You get to know your wife, and you give honor to her, but you don't hinder your prayer. But then James, he picks this up. And he talks to some people that's praying, but they're not getting an answer. And that's chapter 4. In verse number 3, he says, you ask. That's a, a form of prayer. You ask and receive not. That's what we're talking about tonight. Lord, why didn't you answer my prayer? Well, James is going to tell us that there could be a reason right here. Well, the reason it couldn't be here. As I looked in my heart, I found unconfessed sin or, or an unforgiven spirit towards someone or into my home. It's not right there. Or James says here, notice what he has to say about it. He says, you ask, this is James 4, 3, and receive not because you ask amiss. Now, we may not get a hold of that quickly, that word amiss. That's not in our vocabulary in our day. Uh, let me suggest what he says. You ask wrongly. You're wrong in your asking. What you're asking for, it's not, uh, it's not appropriate, it's not proper, it's not the thing you're asked for. 
So he said, you ask him this, that is, you ask him wrongly. And James says that their focus was to consume it upon their own lust, uh, their own selfish desires. Wasn't for the will of God and the glory of God. And so what should I do? I said, I ought to look in my heart, see if I'm right with God, look in my attitude, see if I'm right with you, look in my home, see if I'm right with my companion. Then I ought to look into the, my reason for asking. Why do I want God to answer that prayer? Oh, this is where we got up to the, the man began to say to me. He didn't know that bottom line of praying as I preached Saturday night and some of you were there as I preached on where Jesus said, not my will but thine be done. That's bottom line. See, prayer is not a means God gave to us where we get our will done in heaven. Some of us act as if, sometimes in our praying, as if, you know, we dictate to God. No, no. Prayer is a means whereby God gets his will done on this earth. And when his will is being done on this earth, his work will be done on this earth. And prayer is the means. Prayer is that which he's given to us that brings him into our situation. But it has to be according to his will for his glory. See, the will of God and the glory of God and the name of Jesus is all interrelated and all in essence means the same thing. When you pray it in Jesus' name, that don't mean we tack on the end of our prayer and just say in his name. You could, you could say that at the end of your prayer, but it may not be in his name. To pray in his name is for his acclaim, his honor, his glory, something that he'll endorse, something he's for. And of course, to, uh, to know what it is, you have to know his word. You have to know his will about prayer. And James is saying to a group of people, you've been asking, but you didn't receive. You're wrong in your asking. Your, your, your motivation is wrong. You want to consume it up on your life. Something you want. You never ask the question whether it's God's will or not. You never ask whether it's God's glory or not. Well, let me throw you a curve. You've got a hunger for revival, and I, and I commend you. Oh, I, I said to someone on the phone today, and I, I bragged on you. Well, let me throw you a curve. Don't, don't let me dampen that, that thirst and hunger. But did you know, listen, did you know you could have a hunger for revival and not get it because your motive could be wrong? Well, there are places that Charles Finney, a great revivalist of history, he said, I've seen God take his hand off of many places after they began to hunger and thirst and pay the price, and, and they got God's touch in revival, and then they started taking credit for it. And they began to get braggadocious. And he says, God says, I share... I'll not share my glory with any. Oh, see, somebody said, oh, I'm praying for healing. I think that's a legitimate request. God does heal. You say, yes, I believe that. Let me raise a question. Why do you want God to heal you? God gives you back your health. Is your health going to be devoted to him? He says, i got to... Financial problem. Well, that's a legitimate request. That concerns God. He says he can pray about all things, but let's put the motivation there. If he helps you financially, is your finances glorifying God? Are we honoring him already with that which belongs to him? See, we begin to look into our reason for asking. This is, oh, this is my understanding. This, this becomes the essence of prayer. Why do I want God to do what I'm asking him to do? 
Is it for his glory, or am I wanting to just consume it up on my own lust, as the scripture says here, my own selfish desire? Somebody said, Brother Hurts, it's wrong to pray. No, it's not wrong to pray a personal prayer. Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us, and Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Personal needs, surely. We can't be an intercessor because we get our personal needs met. Intercessor prayer comes after that. But selfish praying is different than personal prayer. Selfish praying is when ego is on the throne. Well, I want this to promote Wilbur Hurt. I want this to be noticed. I want this so I can keep my horn. I want this so somebody can speak well of me. And the Lord said, no, no, you, you, you don't have my interest in mine. You're not talking about my glory. You're not wanting to promote the, the glory of God and honor the Lord Jesus. Thinking of a person, I know that, I know it in detail, and I won't go into, I won't go into detail, but just, he said to a pastor, he said that, in the pastor study on a, on a Saturday afternoon, he said, my business is sinking. He's here. He said, if God doesn't rescue it, I'm gone. He said, Pastor, I, and God bugged me to come over here and ask you, would, would you kneel over here in the study and pray with me? And they did. And the pastor said, the moment I knelt there, God put a restraint in my spirit and even a rebuke in my heart. He said, no, no, don't you ask me to, re- to rescue his business here in his presence. No, not audibly. He said, I knew God said that. Don't you pray that. I'm not going to let you pray that in liberty. God seemed to say to him, I'm, I'm trying to get his attention. There's a time he loved me. There's a time he was close to me. And that thing was taking my place. The pastor said, Brother, I, well, I hope this don't embarrass you. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this to you, but God's not going to let me pray till I ask you a question. And here's the question that God wants me to ask you. If he rescues that business, he's wanting to know, what are you going to do with it? I know, I know this in detail. The businessman said, oh my, God's cut a hold to me. And he said to the pastor, let me, let me rephrase my request. Pastor, did you ask God to give me back my joy, my closeness with Him? And if He wants the business to sink, let it go. I want to get right with God more than anything else. Well, that goes back to the beginning. He worked with me when I was a pastor. He's, he's a worship leader that referred to him. He'd lead our music. He's such a dear, close friend. He, he and his wife, they, they, they took my wife and I out for a meal just last fall. And, uh, they live on a large lake, you know, about, uh, in Annapolis. If you live in the Carmel area, you, you moved up some. Their home's up on that lake. Reggie Miller, a ball player, the Patriots, his home's two doors down there, and they, in those kind of houses. But he's such a humble Christian. We met him at a restaurant on the lake. He, they have a large, beautiful boat. They, they didn't drive, they came in the boat and came around, and then him doctor came in the restaurant. They wanted to take me, take us for a ride, eh? Got that thing, and my wife's at front of her, and he's here, and I'm way back here. Somebody knows me, I'm a land person. I don't like up here or on the water either. <laughs> and I tell you, him just wide open. It seemed like him. I, 
I remember hauling up the center and I said, you are right with God, aren't you? <laughs> you know, he said to me more than once. My brother was a printer. He owns Hertz Printing in Annapolis. He, he, he has a large business there. A lot of people work for him. And he does printing for this. He said to me not long ago, did you know they, they, they've been national? Just he and one other person owns that thing. Their business has been national for a while. They're even going some international. My brother knows about their business. He does all that printing for and he said, I'm uh, how their businesses look in the last 10 or 12 years. He said to me in that big home as we were having some refreshment, he said, I hadn't forgotten that day. And I gave it all to him. He said, he still knows it's here. He said, Brother Hurts, I used to hear you say when you preached to us, a steward owns nothing. A steward just looks after that which belongs to another. And he said, I tell him regularly, I'm sure enjoying looking after his. Amen. But said, he knows I know. It's his. Though they've elevated in business, he's as humble as he can be. He and his wife in their church, they give the, they give the weekends that visiting. They're now over a senior group and, and they go once a week with a large group of seniors. To just give themselves to those new people. And you talk to it, and you'll hear from his heart. He found out there is a right motive. And uh, James tells us this. Well, I close with that. There's another one or two, but I don't think the Lord wants me to go to him tonight. I hit you by where I started tonight. The Lord asked that question when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? what our brethren was singing about trusting it. I said the other night, faith is expressed in our praying. See, that's why he asked the question at the end of his prayer parable. He's saying, that woman who persevered, if you please, that woman who was persistent, she didn't lose heart, she didn't get discouraged, and that's why he gave the parable. He said we ought to pray not to faint, not to lose heart. See, there's another one there in James I didn't go to, but you may want to jot it down. It's in chapter 1, about verse 7. It said, let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. Whoever that man is, James talking about, says he, he, don't, he shouldn't even think he's going to get a, 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 an answer to prayer. Who was that man? Double-minded? Unstable in all of his ways? Wasn't asking in faith? And the point is, uh, we need to come and, and God bless you men. When you start singing that, I said, Lord, because I've been struggling with it, whether or not I should share this tonight. And the Lord just confirmed in my spirit, yes, I've been talking to you. They're bringing our attention to trust Him. Oh, what He's got in store for us. What He's got in store for you as a church. I get excited just thinking about it. I spoke to someone today. Oh, I felt the heart as they talked about my ministry here. I won't embarrass them, but they're in this room tonight. And I went back to the room thinking, oh, God. Oh, there's a group of people in the temple there that's got a hunger. God is blessing you, but oh, there's a whole lot more blessing He wants to pour out. And when we pray, he works in answer to prayer. Our Father, 
Thank you for what you've said to our hearts this week. Sing this truth to us. We're so glad you let us come. And we can call and you promise to hear now. Lord, would you just, I hardly know how to close, but you just, just seal this to us. May many of us look back up on this night. Lord, you've been here in a way that I haven't seen you in a long time. What a, what a precious, precious refreshing in the music you've been into tonight. We're here now talking to our hearts. And Lord, some of us, we've been thinking about just having a prayer life. May, may we go beyond that tonight and start meeting you regularly. Help us, Lord. I, I'm glad you're patient with us. Show us those things that were some things that needs to be corrected so we can, uh, as the dear preacher said, we begin to clear the way so they could pray. Help us to pray. Thank you again for what you've, what you've said to us and what you've been to us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.